0: Welcome to the Improv in Practice podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Wilson, bringing you interviews, inspiration, and information on improvised theater with Synergy Theater. You can find Synergy Theater's classes, workshops, performances, and more at synergytheater.com. That's S Y N E R G Y, theater.com. Okay, lights down, curtain up. Hey guys, it's Sarah. This is our first episode, and it is April 4th, 2021, as I record this. In this episode, we talk to Nikki Vilas and Karen Harrell. Nikki is a performer with Synergy Theater. Karen, like me, is a student. Nikki, Karen, and I have taken many Synergy Theater classes together, in person and online. We talk about stage fright, self-doubt, bouncing back from mistakes, and the fun that keeps drawing us back to improv with Synergy Theatre and director Ken Adams. You must see Nikki in her many roles in Synergy Theater's free online shows. Just go to SynergyTheater.com and click on Watch Live. Okay, let's get to it. Thank you guys so much for being here, and I'm going to dive right in. Nikki, was Ken and Synergy Theater your first exposure to improv, or had you done improv theater before then?
1: Well, I've been in theater essentially since I was a kid. And I was a dance major at Cal Berkeley with a theater arts background and had done theater back then and when I was in probably middle school there was improv but nothing like what we do now so my exposure and my excitement and my just where I go with it has always been there my father was in a theater company as well and when I left my company that I had worked with for about 28 years or so I was doing like part-time work and I happened to look at the Lafayette um, Recreation Manual, they have classes and I saw an improv class. And I went, ooh, I really wanna do that. (laughs) And so I signed up for Ken's class with a girlfriend, walked into the class and I knew that I was hooked and that I'd be a lifer. And it was all about Ken, really. He just so embracing and so good. And it just opened up this world for me that I hadn't expected. Hey Karen, if you have questions for Nikki,
0: please chime in. So Nikki, in that first class, well, first I, I'd like to know what was it about improv that made that light go on?
1: Uh, the spontaneity of it. I thought it would be funny, which it is, and I didn't have to memorize anything, and it would just <laughs> it would just help me with being more. Uh, Embracing and, and just being more out there, I guess, trying not to hold myself back that doesn't work all the time. You do that anyway, but it, um I just saw it as being this sort of avenue to expand how I did things and make me more comfortable.
0: Can you remember what it was like to be in that class for the That's- first time. Definitely.
1: <laughs> My girlfriend and I, I really wanted her to go because we didn't get to spend enough time with each other. And she was very, she's theatrical. And I thought it would be fun for her to get out and expand herself. Some, we made every single mistake in class that one can make an improv. And, uh, we were just having fun. And I remember the class, the people that were in that class are still taking classes with Ken, uh, Maybe some aren't anymore, but the, there was this core group of people that were were doing it, and I just knew that it was something I wanted to do. And I I remember as we as I got more familiar with what he was doing and more comfortable with myself, it definitely took time. Uh, I light bulbs kept going off. I, I was going every week. I never stopped. Every week, week after week after week, and now we're going into six years. What was it that, that drew you back? The energy, the people, the technique, getting to play, getting to play make believe all the time, uh, keeping my mind active. I mean, admittedly it, it, wasn't always fun because it's challenging and you get thrown out of your comfort zone. And I could go home feeling terrible, thinking, Oh, I messed that up. I messed this up. I'm really terrible at this. And then you just get up and do it again. And you're playing with people who make it safe and comfortable. And Ken's amazing that way. And he was teaching us things that I had not expected and I wanted to be in the company, actually. What was one of the unexpected things that you learned? That you could do full-length plays, doing improv, that you could make up dialogue and work with each other, just playing off each other's ideas. You know, some of the things that I really understood was what blocking offers is and not saying no to, to an offer, uh, keeping it engaging raising stakes so that it's a more interesting story your mind is always going there's just a lot that you're juggling and a lot to learn so I just I love that keeping my mind engaged even though I will go home after a class or after a show or after uh, rehearsal feeling like crap because I knew that I messed something up
2: Nikki if you've come home and you've messed up how do you you perform I've watched you perform and it's been excellent how do you bounce back from that because you must somehow
1: well th- that I think comes with experience have having been in theater because I'm always performing so I perform in different ways as well I'm a singer and I play the guitar so I have shows that I do uh I'm in I take music lessons, I take voice and guitar lessons. And so you're always, always, always getting feedback. And I am used to getting feedback. I am used to criticism because I always know that it is to make you better. And I do know that when you're out of your comfort zone, you're gonna mess up and you're going to apply those lessons and get better at it. And so you pick yourself up even though you feel awful about what you did and you just apply it and and hope that you've learned something from it so feedback is part of being in theater you have to be able to take it and so even if you don't feel good about it and you beat yourself up over it you have to apply those lessons and it's just part of performing it's part of even in in work life any type of life when you're getting feedback, it's typically so that you're going to get better. It's not a personal attack. I mean, you hear Ken giving feedback in classes, like he gave me feedback on Sunday and it was valid. It was valid. I I probably wasn't concentrating or I thought in that moment, oh, right. I, I thought, oh, this is a dramatic conflict, which is to be antagonistic and it jerks you back into reality. It jerks you back into, no, he's right. I have to apply that. And feedback is a a good thing. Ken delivers feedback in a wonderful way and he's always improving and always learning about how best to do that so that people feel supported and know that it's positive and constructive.
0: So as you know very well, the three rules are be spontaneous, make your partner look good, build on your partner's ideas what is it about being an adult human that makes those three simple rules sometimes really
1: challenging <laughs> that's a good question because we don't apply that in life all the time it's not something that we're used to i think that we have a tendency to be negative and hard on ourselves and critical and people are not used to saying yes. And I know that having been in the corporate world, there are a lot of books about positivity and uh, saying yes. I I remember there was a book out in the corporate world about saying yes, and that was to improve on communication. And it is not something that people are comfortable doing. It isn't part of our way of being necessarily. I mean, I'd say that a lot of people are that way, but it is something that you have to continue to learn and recognize when you're uh, blocking even just a, a conversation. And so it is a hard thing to do. And it's something that in improv, you can carry that over into life and be a better communicator improve on relationships just by saying hey that's a great idea instead of being contrary which typically I think people tend to be. Does that make sense?
2: Well I actually I'm a big fan of Brene Brown and um, was listening to one of her podcasts and I may get the term wrong but it's called defensive listening and it's actually how we're wired and if you start coming at me with information I start picking it apart. So if you say, you know, is that a large red apple? I'm like, well, it's not quite red and it's not so large, but that's our natural instinct. And we don't even really realize we're doing it. And so that's one of the things about the rules and listening. And so it's almost fighting against how we're wired but we're going to land in a such better place in our personal lives, our work lives and and being improvisers.
1: That's really such a great point because it reminds me of uh, active listening. And I think this, maybe it's passive listening where you're, you can't wait for the person to stop talking so that you can jump off what they're saying and bring it back to yourself. Whereas you're not building upon what they just said, and actively responding to what has been said. And that is something that Ken really focuses on in class about saying yes to the offer.
0: And when you were
1: beginning, Nikki, what was the most challenging? Um, I remember when I first started, and this was with my girlfriend, the idea that it's team work and an ensemble as opposed to being the star. There's no stars in improv, it's an ensemble and we're all working with each other. That was a concept that was different because my girlfriend and I naturally upped each other all the time (laughs) and we were just sort of theatrical in general. And so taking away that conceit, I just remember that that was something that was worked out of me. Not that I wanted to shine or be the star, or be, you know, bigger than life and better than anybody, but it was more because I had gone in with my girlfriend, it was just the way we played off each other and it was not right for the, for class. So, you know, recognizing that this was ensemble and the rules were ones that I really had to work with. And it took a while. It took a while to get those aha moments. And they, they happen over time. So how are
0: you encouraging that ensemble atmosphere as you are now
1: a director of fantastic shows? Oh, thanks. So the two that I did, the first one I did was called just saying, and it was a um, improvised talk show. And the premise was that we were doing a talk show, but there was behind the scenes stuff and, uh, and they were one-off shows. We did four of them. And then the second one was Real Housewives of Trailer Park County, where we got to play uh, the same character over four episodes. And it was just a takeoff on the Real Housewives. And I just thought it would be fun to have it set in a, in a place that isn't typically a mansion. And just what is life like and how do people relate to each other and just stay emotional? And what I found was that I really wanted it to be collaborative, that we all were throwing out ideas, how best to make this show work, what's going to play well. And so just during rehearsals, we were constantly adjusting and I had a great cast and everybody was just jumping in and trying to make this thing happen. And it was really, really fun. So I didn't feel like I was directing people to do things. It was more just, here's the idea of it. And then what is working and what isn't as we work through rehearsals. And it was really fun. There were things I would have done differently. Just saying was the first one I had done. Uh, and I think I applied some of those lessons to the second, which was Real Housewives. That was my next question is, is what did you
0: learn stepping into another role as a director?
1: it's stressful and <laughs> you want it to be good and it was new. But I have to say that Ken made it really easy for us. He had opened it up to anybody who wanted to experiment with this format and stepped back and allowed us to experiment and explore. And he piped in where we needed help. He was supportive. And I would say that COVID, I really should put that into COVID perspective. We have been doing shows and rehearsals every week since COVID started. When it first started, when we first got locked in, I didn't want to do the first show because I was depressed. You know, honestly, I was like, okay, what just happened to our lives? And I wasn't ready for that. I just couldn't bring myself to do anything. And then after a couple of months, or maybe a month, I I jumped in and signed up for the shows. And I found that it was a definitely an avenue to be with people as best we could. It was safe. It was fun. I got to see my friends. Uh, We got to entertain each other. We got to entertain people. We figured it out. We learned a lot. And because we're doing it week after week, A lot of the stress that we have when we're doing live theater, a lot of that started to dissipate because we were so very much involved with doing these every week. So giving feedback to each other became easier. I think that it made us better at communicating in terms of how each of these shows were working. They were more collaborative. I know Ken learned a lot because he was opening it up to other people and having to relinquish control has to be hard. But that trust that everybody has in terms of how we were all supporting each other played out, not just in the improv experience, but as we were creating these shows, we were doing exactly what the improv rules are all about, making each other look good, building upon each other's offers. And that was definitely extended into the director the environment and i think the shows have been really successful and and they're growing we're we're getting better at it do you think that that stage fright as you go from
0: zoom and youtube and performing in that way to an actual live audience
1: how do you how are you going to have you thought about that what i have, have thought about it and, and that's a really good question because it made me think that one of the difficulties and challenges i find with doing the Zoom shows is that we don't have the interaction with an audience. I don't know what's landing. I don't know what's working. And I'm somebody that really plays off of that energy of an audience. I, I need that interaction, that that back and forth with an audience because it just inspires us. And so going back to the theater, I, I know that it's gonna be a little bit challenging because we the stage fright will hit, and I don't really have that experience with Zoom other than I know when we're doing a live show that I don't want to screw it up it's going to be recorded into, into perpetuity now. But I, I just don't have that same sense of stepping out onto that stage, looking at the audience, that excitement of live theater. It's just totally different. Before
0: quarantine, how did you deal with Stage fright. And do you think that'll be the same way you deal with it in the future?
1: Yes. We do a lot of warm up exercises, do a lot of breathing, and just in the backstage before we go on, everybody's going, I got your backs. I got your backs. There's lots of hugs. And you know that you've got people supporting you. And it helps when you're doing live theater to have that support. And so even if you're nervous about going out there, you've got the whole ensemble ready to just work it together. You and the other Synergy Theater performers are
0: creating an incredible library of theater and art.
1: And I'm so glad it's there. Thank you. At the beginning of COVID, I wondered, about what my purpose was. And it was really difficult to feel like I was contributing. It was hard. We've never gone through this before and I was really depressed about it because I didn't know what to do. I ended up making hundreds of masks because I can sew, but I felt purposeless. And I was struggling with trying to figure out was theater a purpose. And then I realized it is because we need to be entertained. We need to feel that that's a contribution just to make people feel good. And so there is purpose in theater, there is purpose in art, there's purpose in that exchange. We've had to find new ways of engaging and and being relevant and still appreciate the beauty that is in life because it's there. And I'm grateful to Ken, I'm grateful to the people that have supported Synergy, have been part of Synergy, the two of you to just rise to the occasion and find ways to be okay. And we've done it. So Karen, the first improv class that you took, can
0: you remember and can you describe it?
2: Well, it it, it took me a while to get there. So I have uh, kind of a, a different story than Nikki. The last time I'd ever done anything Acting artistic was probably second grade where I was Abe Lincoln's mother and I was taller than Abe Lincoln. So history major, work writing contracts. This was a, a definite um, outside mind, but I do remember the first time and, and that just that sense of being so excited, but nervous at the same time, but then getting to play and imagine, and somebody asks the next day at work, what did you do last night? And you could say, well, let's see, I was a Russian spy. I was a mother of 12 and I was a troll that lived under a bridge. Most people can't say they did all that the night before, but I could, I, lo- I, loved, it. I loved it. I loved it from the beginning.
0: Do you remember the first class?
2: I remember being there. I remember more signing up for it. Actually, Eileen, who's part of the company, I was friends with her for many, many years and uh, met her in a yoga class. And she was always really nice. And then she told me she started taking these improv classes and she really liked it and it changed her life. and, And I was like really excited for her, but also was like, oh, that's good for you. I could never do something like that. And uh, we even went to one of the synergy shows that was in Lafayette, California, I went there and, you know, oh, that's really nice. And, and then I hit a point in my life where I really wanted and needed to connect with people. And I was reading, I know I'm going back, but this is, it's it was a big change in my life. I was reading this book called You Are a Badass. And they said, if you... Are unable if you feel like your decision-making skills aren't as strong as you wish them to be then think of it like a muscle and the more you use a muscle the stronger it gets and so i felt like i needed to work on that and i was looking for people to connect with and so i got an email about these improv classes and who knows i may have been receiving them tons of times before but i was like i could do that i could take that class and I remember going into the lunchroom at work and saying to my friend, Margaret, I think I'm going to take this improv class. And she's like, how much does it cost? I'm like, I don't even care. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to sign up, Margaret. <laughs> so she thought I was crazy. And I remember going and just how how exciting. And, and, and it changed everything, just that one decision.
0: And you were meant for it. Definitely.
2: Mm-hmm, thank
0: you. How has it changed you?
2: Oh, uh, well... <laughs> quite a bit. I'll start with work life. I've changed how I present. Sometimes I do training at at work and it's so much different. One time my presentation, I had it all laid out and all my PowerPoint slides, I was ready to go. And there's maybe 50 people on the line. And then they said, you know, we really don't want to start with section one. We'd rather start with section three first and then go from there and see what time we have. And I think old me would have been like, Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I don't have it in that order. Oh my goodness. And I'm like, sounds like a great idea. Let's go on to section three. We'll start with that and then we'll see where we are with timing and what people's needs are. And we'll go back to the one and two if need be. So I, I do not think I would have reacted to that same situation that same way had it not been for improv. And, um, one of the women I work with, Holly, I was giving a presentation with her and I said, do you think I could have a little fun, do something short for improv right at the end of the presentation? And mind you, this was about contracts and policies and procedures and doing the right thing. And, and so we got to the end and, uh, and Holly said, yes. And we got to the end. And I ask people, I said, turn to the person next to you and tell them one thing you're going to do based on coming to this class, something you found out or something you're going to do because of it. And then I want the person you tell it to to say, that's a great idea. And so they said whatever they were going to do, and that's a great idea. And then they reciprocated and the energy and air in the room was just buzzing. People were smiling. They were sitting up a little taller and they left that talk, I think, with a good idea. And they felt good about themselves and what they were doing. And, you know, that's always a fun improv exercise.
0: And when you talk about taking improv classes and practicing improv, how do you describe it? To other people?
2: A lot about the play and the imagination and it also revealed to them that I also thought that I wasn't a person who could do such a thing. And I gladly found out that I was. And so trying to um, reassure them, I've even brought family members to drop in and had them give it a try and they could see the fun in it, you know, and I think sometimes by how excited we get about it and when we're talking about it, that's contagious to other people. And then on a personal side of my life, I mean, taking that improv class changed everything. So I found the love of my life and Mm -hmm. I learned how to speak my mind better and I am with a partner who is spontaneous and makes me look good and I make him look good. And we build on each other's ideas and like, how could you have a better foundation for a start for a relationship?
0: Have people close to you, your friends and family, have they told you they've noticed a change in you since you started taking improv classes?
2: Yes. At work, I've had people say my communication skills are different. They are clear more to the point. Uh, trying to speak in succinct sentences when we, when we're improvising, um, that helps. I can even see it influences me when I write an email at work and how I'm going to say something. And then my family can see the joy and the fun that I get out of it. And some of my great nephews and nieces have taken uh, Ken's class, the kid's class, and have enjoyed it. And so I think, again, that spontaneity is contagious.
0: Now, I know that you have done some performing in the class format um, with Synergy Theater. So how were and do you deal with stage fright?
2: I think it's less for me stage fright than it is self-doubt sometimes comes in and that self-negative dialogue. And as Nikki had spoken earlier about active listening that's more of a uh, hurdle for me than stage fright is because i'm a student in a class and everyone in ken's classes are so warm and inviting and accepting people aren't there to criticize so you're in that environment where people are so supportive so that's a wonderful thing to be in um and i think probably the the greatest hurdle is sometimes myself and getting in my head. And if I start going, you know, oh my gosh, I don't know what I'm gonna say. I don't know what I'm gonna say. If I'm doing all that in my head, I'm definitely not listening to you. And, And just that idea of, I actually don't know what to say because you haven't finished your thought yet. So I may have this idea, oh, we're going down this path and that's the way it goes. But actually that's wrong because I don't know what you're going to say. So I need to be there in that moment with you and listen to you and really hear you. And then based on that will be my response. But until I actually hear that from you, I don't have a response.
1: I'll jump on top of that one too. It, it is something that we have to work on all the time. It isn't something that you just get and then all of a sudden you're able to do it constantly. We can all get inside of our heads. We can all overthink. We can all anticipate what that person is saying. And a lot of what we have to work on in the company and in rehearsals is talking over each other or anticipating or muscling in an agenda without listening to the other person. So you're always, always working on that.
0: Are there books that each of you have read that is about improv that you have found really informative? Ken's book, How yeah. to Improvise a Full Length Play. That's an excellent one. Have you read any others? Karen, you mentioned that you were reading a book that kind of inspired you to take the class.
2: Right, exactly. I was reading You Are a Badass, but um, that was more a self help book. I was in my self help uh, phase, which I still kind of stay in sometimes because I like those, but in watching a movie or reading a play, I think I start honing in more on what makes it a good scene, what makes it interesting, how do they speak? Because of course, you know, in a play, they are not going to speak like we do in normal life. So I'd say less improv books, but more looking at different forms of theater and seeing how those are created.
1: Yeah, I'd rather just do it. Reading the books make me frustrated because I want to just do it. And I think because I go to class every week and I do rehearsals every week, it's constantly being reinforced and it's so helpful. And I personally with class, I feel more like I can stretch and make screw ups in class, whereas rehearsals are tighter because there's a deadline. We have to, you know, we're aiming for a show but in class it's like okay this is where you really want to just test your stuff and make it okay to make mistakes and really just explore where you can go and all of those little aha moments i'll get in a class or at our retreats are wonderful but you know you're always always challenging yourself you just have to smile about it because it's fun
2: well, I, I think that sometimes if you're too hard on yourself, you forget about the fun part. Um, one of sure. the women in the classes in person, Delicia, she said, this is supposed to be fun. And it's like, oh, know. You, you know, sometimes we need to be reminded of that because <laughs> <laughs> it, it is fun. But
1: Right. There was, so we were trying to figure out, it was this conversation with, with a, f- a few of us from class and about the, the imposter syndrome, where you just think... who the hell am I doing this? We still feel that way at times. Yeah, it's fun. It changes your whole outlook on life. And isn't it fun to be a a kid and play and play make-believe? I want to be a troll every day.
2: (laughs) It's interesting. In life, we try to hold our emotions and keep everything in check and make sure that were the right kind of person out in the world but when you are doing improv or acting those aren't the people you normally see on stage I remember I had a scene one time with Delicia and we were in a mechanic shop and we were sister and sister, and we had the business together. And I just found out that she wasn't going to stick with me with the business. She was going to run off and do something else. And I was angry with her. So I pretended to take a wrench and put it in her hand very harshly. I didn't even touch her, but I was just, you know, pretending and goes, ow, and I said, I'm sorry, and Ken goes, you're not sorry, she's just destroying your whole life, what are you saying, I'm sorry, and I'm like, oh wait, I guess I slipped, so even sometimes like being, everyone being so in control, but then being a person who isn't, a person who is not disrespectful, because there are certain boundaries that are always kept in the class, which I'm very um, glad we need those, we need those safe havens as far as There's no name calling. There's no foul language. There's no belittling of people or based on anything. I really appreciate that openness. But the idea that just as an individual, I could be angry at someone and say that I'm angry is actually very freeing as an improviser and then also as a human.
1: It's interesting that you brought that up because that is a struggle that I have in improv is when you're doing dramatic theater, you have to just like get it out there, be emotional, be direct, don't wishy-wash, but instead in conversation, we do different things. So I sometimes get too into my head thinking, oh, I'd never do that in life. This has been amazing. Thank you so much. So
0: you tell me if you guys have played this game before. It's called I Love You Scenes with Expertise. The premise is the two of you were close at one point in the past, but you lost touch. Mm -hmm. Then one day you run into each other after a long time apart. And what I, as the audience, will do is that I'm going to give Karen Nikki's expertise, and I'm going to give Nikki Karen's expertise. When you see each other, it's this really emotional reunion. And then at one point, Karen or Nikki, you're going to say, you know what? I, I never told you, but I really admired this about you, which will be the expertise that I'm going to give you. Okay. So just a short little fun game questions. And how, how much time do we have? Five minutes. And then you guys just find a way to end the scene when you feel like it needs to be ended. Okay. And are we are, are we ourselves? You can be whatever character you want to be, and you can be um, made up names. And I am going to send Karen, Nikki's expertise. <laughs> okay, get the chat up. Look will get the
2: chat. Up. Oh. Send chat.
0: I just wrote these down really quickly earlier. Just totally nonsensical.
1: And you're doing it in the chat.
0: I am to you right now. Do you guys want me to give you a location or do you want to pick it?
1: Sure, location would be great.
0: Uh, let's see, outside an ice cream store. And again, the premise is long lost friends, admirers. You're seeing each other again for the first time and you don't know how long. And there's, there's this one thing about each of you that you just loved about the other person.
1: Ready? Yeah. Go. Oh my God, Marcella. It's you. Dora.
2: What, what are you doing here in town right outside
1: of Rickle Road? I know. This is so random. I just came back home to visit. It's been, what, 20 years since I've been here. My God. Dora. You haven't changed a bit. Oh. Neither of you. It, it's really been 20 years. Oh, I can't believe they built a, a condo over where the gas station used to be. Oh, oh, did, you, of... did you see the new skating park that's down on 1st? I passed it. I was shocked that used to be the dump yard.
2: <laughs> Remember when we used to go there
1: over at high school and well, we'd yes. drink a few beers down there. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, treasure <laughs> hunting along with the beer. Oh my god, that I totally <gasps> forgot that. That's where we.
2: Well, after that night, that's when we got the dragon tattoos. I know.
1: Look at that. I just had it recolored. <gasps> you still have it. Just looks just like when we did it. Still hurts. What <laughs> are we thinking? Oh, your mother was gonna kill us. <laughs> uh, she was livid oh well I I can't believe we lost touch yeah it's just
2: I guess uh, our parents always said life gets in the way but
1: I guess it does you know I think about you all the time because I see the dragon tattoo in the mirror I don't know why I just haven't picked up the phone uh, you know the one thing I always admired about you. I probably never told you. And it, and it just reminds me, standing in front of the ice cream parlor, is the, the massaging ice cream cones that you did. I still do that. I was-
2: actually have my own line of ice cream. When we go in, I can show you. It's called Dragon Delicious. Oh, It's a whole
1: line of ice creams oh god that's so awesome that just makes me want to cry oh god the massaging that you did with those ice cream cones it just killed me it was so funny it just would get everywhere i <laughs> it was that's crazy crazy. Well, that's so crazy well let's go in let
2: me try it well come on in let's let's try
1: some okay oh, oh, here's your cone Oh, thank you. Thank you. Do you remember how we used to bite the end off the cone and just suck the ice cream. through? (laughs) We should do it right now. Let's do it.
2: (laughs) Oh, God. Well, you know what I used to really admire about you. What? (sighs) Remember after we'd have just a little bit too much to drink, you would start playing fetch with snails. We would take the malt balls and just roll them at them and they would bring them back to you. It was the
1: weirdest thing. I know. The weird thing was, is how did I ever come across discovering that snails would do that in the first place? It grossed you out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we did have some good times. You know what? I I, I realized I, I probably owe you an apology. I think I think we stopped talking. God, this is embarrassing. And it was all about just—I was jealous. I was jealous of the way that you just could do everything so effortlessly. Now you have this line of ice cream. It I, hasn't all been easy. I, I could have reached out to you. I, I was actually
2: jealous of you. Me? You were the one that all the boys were after, and and had all the attention and homecoming queen. I, I didn't know where I fit in all that.
1: I think I let boys get in the way of our friendship.
2: Well, if we both let things get in between us, we shouldn't have.
1: I know. I want to make up for the last 20 years. I, I'm not sure how to do it. I have to leave within a couple of days and go back to New York. Do you live here?
2: I do live here, but... You know what? In August, I've got some vacation time. What happens if I made that vacation spot?
1: New York, New York, the big apple. I would love that. that would, do it, please, come, come to New York. I, I, There's space for you. I, I will make space. I wish I'd done that for the last 20 years, but we've got another 20 to 50 to, in front of us so let's let's do that august. let's do
2: it august
0: you and me <laughs> all right it's a date and scene i love it great job guys that was awesome
1: <laughs> <Snail-fetching.
2: Good. laughs> yeah massaging ice cream does it gets
0: <laughs> gets us in i was like oh okay that that branch is off but yeah it's fun it was fun it was a good idea sarah thank you both so much. this was fantastic. Is there anything else you guys want to say? I had one more thing. I just
2: it's, it's something that when we talked about how did this change your life, I probably could go on way too long. <laughs> but it, it, Ken goes over the substantial scene and how a scene is played out. So you have you know your platform where you introduce the characters and then the moment of engagement and that lands you in the second area, which is the dramatic conflict or dramatic alignment. And then there's a moment of resolution, and then ends the last third, you know, on the new platform. And one of the things that actually taking improv really changed for me is there's that moment of resolution where they either fail or succeed. And a lot of times in life, when something really big happens, someone dies, or you lose a job, or or a relationship ends, you think that that's the end, but There's a whole new platform that comes after that end. And just that idea of even applying that in life really makes a difference for me. Um, Because a lot of times I think with that event, everything ends, but everything doesn't end from there. You've just now entered the new platform. So that's something that really changed my life.
1: Thank you for adding that, Karen. I love that. And Mickey, what do you think? Yeah, I'll just add that I found a community of people through these classes that have become part of my life. And so the friendships that I have made with all of you and others in, in improv, I think because we all enjoy a certain way of living now that is, um, un- I don't wanna say it's unique, it's the way it should be really just this positive energy and that we we we've all become friends and it is so valuable to me and i've I've said that ken is kind of six degrees of ken but you know i have to say that having found him i found a community that i didn't know existed for me and i was just um i'm so grateful
0: totally agree i agree
2: too
0: (laughs) thank you again thank you nikki travel safe karen Thank you so much. You can now get out of the garage, hopefully. I I
2: have two laundry baskets stacked up within a platform on top. I did it.
0: I'll see you guys in class. Great.
1: Absolutely.
0: Bye. Bye. Take care. And that's our show. If you think improv sounds like fun, it is. If you think you'd like to try improv, it's easy. Just go to synergytheater.com and click on School of Improv. Synergy Theater offers beginner, advanced, and master classes. Synergy Theater is also on Facebook. Please rate, review, and follow this podcast. Your support makes a difference. Synergy Theater is a 501c3 tax deductible nonprofit that depends on the participation of current and future star supporters and improvisers like you. Thank you.